COVID-19, it may not be the end of the world, but it certainly puts everyone's life in disarray, including the lives of our children. On this Jules Show podcast, Jules talks with licensed therapist and author Candace Couch about how to help walk our kids through this unprecedented time of insecurity. This is uh, this is going to be an unusual episode of the Jewel Show because my friend Candace Couch, she's a licensed professional counselor, and Candace, we're doing this over the phone. Yes, this is not how I like to work. I like to see people's yes. faces. I like to sit in a small room and talk to them. Girl, hundred percent. I need to be able to touch you, but but we can't I right know. now. No, no. So I we're know. we're doing this whole interview over the phone, but Candace. It came to my mind that I am sure there's a lot of parents out there or grandparents who are really struggling to know what to do. How in the world do you communicate to a children when you can't even hardly wrap your head on, around what's going on? Right. I know. It's And kids want all these answers right. and there they're just aren't answers right now. So, yeah, I think everyone's kind of in a place where what do we do? How do we talk to kids about this? How do we lead them well? Right. Well, um, and then and then. And how do we even communicate this to ourselves? Now, I, I did introduce you, Candace, as a licensed professional counselor, but, but you're also a believer. And so yes. how do you speak truth to our children as well? I will start by saying, I think that, and this applies to the current situation that we're in, um, but also just in general, this is my first line of defense with all parents when they're asking me, how do I handle something with my kids, is just talking talking, talking, talking. And I know that I hear a lot from my clients. Their primary concern is that they're going to say the wrong thing. So I think that what people do is they tend to just not talk for fear of saying the wrong thing to their kid. And I, my first uh, piece of advice to them is to just talk, quit worrying about saying the wrong thing. I want to free you up. Just talk about things. Well, um, Candace, I'm I'm sorry. We don't have the the physical cues for me to be like, let me ask you, stop you right there. Let me ask you this question. Sorry. Yeah. So I'm sorry, listeners. You're going to have to just listen to us try to stumble all over each other. But here's my, uh, about saying the wrong thing. That's true, Candace. But there's also a thought of, my thought is, is if I don't address it, then maybe they won't be aware of what's going on. They're aware of it. They're aware of it. I think I tell parents a lot that kids, even if they don't know exactly what's going on, they have the best radars. And so they are always kind of detecting how their parents are feeling and they're, they're reading it on our faces and they're overhearing conversations and they might even be hearing the news in the background or, you know, looking over your shoulder while you're reading the news on your iPad. So they know it. They sense it. I mean, if we think back to having newborns, think about how our newborn babies would sense things that were going Mm. on in us. They would get more cranky when we were kind of worked up. Mm. So I think that there's probably, they might not know the specifics. They might not know exactly what it is that's going on, but they sense that things aren't right. I mean, they're sitting at home and not at school and trying to do their work from home. So they know something's not right. So if we are talking, giving them information, that is one of the most important things that we can be doing for them right now. All right. Well, Candace, you know, I have a first grader, a third grader, and a fifth grader. Will you tackle those different ages? As a first grader, you say communicate with them, tell them what's going on. What is age appropriate for that, would you say? Well, I think age appropriate is just talking about the differences that are going on. You know, you're really, um, life is really different right now mom and dad are both home and you're at home trying to do your schoolwork. And the way that I think um, I kind of try to structure conversations with kids, no matter what their developmental level 
is to talk to con to kind of uh, conceptualize the conversation in thinking, feeling, and doing. And then we, because we as humans, we think it creates an emotion in us, whether we're thinking about it, how we're feeling or not. And then out of that emotion, we do, we want, if we feel good, we want to keep doing things that will keep that good feeling going. Or if we're feeling uncomfortable, we want to do things that make that feeling go away. And so we might bring up what they're doing. You know, you're working from home right now and trying to do your schoolwork at home. That's really different. You can't see your friends. Tell me how that makes you feel. And you can go online and Google feelings charts and download them and print them. And, you know, for younger kids, it might be just pointing at little emoji faces because kids that are younger than first grade, they're tiny, able to use emoji faces to identify how they're like feeling. Like a frowny face or a smiley yes. face. Okay. Or a, yeah, the worried face, the unsure face. Sure. So look for, um, you know, emotion charts that have pictures on it or that have actual birds for older kids. And just say, you know, talk about what you're doing. We're working from home. This is really different. We're all stuck here. We can't go out to dinner like we used to. Um, how does it feel? And then usually what happens is when we ask kids how they're feeling, they will tell us what they're thinking. All right, but let and me so, stop you there because I do have, I won't tell you which one, but one of my children, she just bottles it up and, um, and it's very difficult to pull that from her. Yes. And I don't even yes. know if she's aware of what she's feeling, to be honest. Yep. And so, you know, I think that a lot of times, like we were talking about, parents are concerned about saying the wrong thing. I also hear parents say a lot of times, well, I don't want to put words in their mouth. Right. But I do it. I do it all the time. And and I'm not trying to speak for kids, but what I'm doing is kind of priming the pump with them. And I might say, you know, I noticed that when I asked you to go do your work, you went and slammed the door. And so I'm wondering if you might be feeling frustrated about mm. having to do your schoolwork today. And I'm also kind of wondering if you feel bored. We've been at home for a long time. So I'm wondering if you're feeling bored, you're tired of doing schoolwork like this. We're giving them words. And usually kids are really good at letting us know if we've got it mm. or if we don't. No, that's not how I feel at all. Actually, I was feeling... I was just angry at you. Um, so being able to give them some of that language, and then usually they'll also kind of give us some of the thinking that comes along with it. So maybe you're so helping okay. them put words to what they're feeling. Exactly. Exactly. They're feeling it in their body. They're expressing it through behavior. Um, but you're just giving them the words to help them actually have a vocabulary to talk about what's going on on the inside, which is so important for what we're dealing with right now because they're probably experiencing some thinking that they've never had to really think about before. What if I don't see my friends for three weeks? You know, what if I can't go back to school this year? Um, I can't go play soccer. And so helping them come up with words to define how that feels is really important. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm seeing uh, and I'm thinking when you're talking to me, okay, this applies to my first, third and fifth grader, um, how to communicate this. And I, and I, and maybe I'm wrong because I don't have teenagers yet, but uh, this could also go to them because I'm thinking about, you know, the seniors, they're not going to have their prom or possibly oh, now their no. graduation. I mean, it seems like this can be applied to no matter what age group, but am I right? I mean, yes, for sure. I know. I just grieve for those parents and those, you know, seniors or teenagers that are, are really missing out on really important life milestones. And, you know, I think emotional intelligence is important for not just for kids, it's important for kids, it's important for teenagers and for us. Being able, that uh, characteristic of being able to look inside, figure out how we're feeling and then expressing mm. it to people that we love, it is 
it is always an important thing for people to have emotional intelligence right now. It is so important Mm -hmm. to be able to process that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So just communicate, communicate, communicate. Yes. Now, what would you recommend, like checking in daily, a couple of days, or often as, uh, often as you can? Well, if we think about uh, how we operate, we think, we feel, we do. I let behavior that we see be a cue for checking in. So if I'm noticing concerning behavior, behavior that makes me curious, like, huh, I've never seen them do that before. Mm-hmm. Um, or that makes me concerned, gosh, they're really spending a lot of time in their room by themselves, or wow, my child is, seems really angry, a lot of door slamming, a lot of arguing, a lot of fussing, a lot of refusing. Um, I would let that behavior be a cue to check in on how they're feeling and also to have a conversation about the things that they're thinking about. And when we do that, I think it's important that we, when we're talking, we're asking questions and we're not immediately correcting the things that they're telling us. Um, I think as parents, a lot of times we're like, oh, gosh, your thinking is wrong. Let me just fix it real quick. Let me tell you what's really true. But really just gathering the data, you want to hear how they're understanding this and how they're perceiving it. Even if it's wrong, let them talk about it because that's what they're acting out of Mm. um, is their perception and how that's creating that emotion in them. So so let them talk. Don't lecture. Don't fix. Um, There's time for that later. Just let them talk and and let them really help you understand where they are. Mm. You know, I was thinking about a situation that happened yesterday when one of my daughters had a complete meltdown about something that she would have never. It was it was just really out of character. So you're saying that might have been an instance where she was trying to process those feelings? Yes, for sure. Absolutely. I think you are. Yeah, you are figuring it out for her. Um you know, and I think that we can focus on on what happened. I think as parents, typically, when we see kids react in a way, we're immediately like, let's shut this down. I don't want to deal with this. You're, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, stop doing it. And just let it be a cue to talk to them. But we're also not letting them off the hook. I mean, okay. there is there is concerning behavior. And I think with spending so much time together, we're probably getting to see a little you know, some glimpses of some behavior that probably does need to be trained. And, you know, I always say that one of the biggest barriers to effective parenting these days is just time. We don't have enough Mm. time with our kids to be as consistent as we need to and to give attention to those things that we really need to address with our kids. But Wow, right now we've got nothing but time. It feels like. Well, and I'll have to say so, Candace, before I press record and started recording you, you made a good comment that this this might actually be a blessing of having more time with each other than than we previously have and to slow down us as parents. Yeah, I think that this, if we can kind of reframe this as, you know, a provision of time to really have concentrated time together. And, Mm. you know, obviously we can do more things like board games and, and playing, but I think it also gives us a glimpse into some of the stuff that we've probably noticed in our kids that we've been thinking, gosh, I wish they wouldn't talk back as much or, you know, the things that we just kind of tell them to stop doing. This is a great opportunity to start training some of that behavior. Um, Just like when we train a new puppy, we have to have a lot of time with them to Mm -hmm. help them understand, you know, don't do this behavior, do this behavior, but also provide the consequences that come with the behaviors. And and we do a similar thing with kids when we get really serious about training a behavior with them. And we've got plenty of time and attention um, to do that while we're at home right now. 
And so, yeah, I think that this is kind mm-hmm. of a blessing that we can focus on that with our kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, something I have already have a child that can be very anxious and fearful on a good day. So I have noticed that she's taken steps back, things that we have already mm-hmm. addressed and steps we've already progress we've already have made. Uh, she's getting into the uh, the habit of these rituals of saying, you know, how many times she needs to tell me that she loves me and I reaffirm her that I love her. Uh, can you speak about that? I mean, is that something for parents to worry or is this very natural that if you already have an anxious, fearful child in and into this environment, you will take some steps back? Yes, I think that makes perfect sense. I think for me, I think for most adults, my friends that I'm talking to, um, you know, we're kind of starting to see see our own survival skills come up where we uh, start to get more anxious and, and worry and then those things that we do to cope with it. And so the way that I talk about it with kids, we call it magical thinking. And we say, you know, your magical thinking isn't, isn't true. Um, but sometimes our brain, our anxious brain tells us that if I say I love you a certain number of times, then that might protect you or keep you safe. And so being able to kind of free kids up and say, I know that you are feeling anxious because I've noticed you've been saying I love you more or you've been, you've been doing that thing that you used to do when you would get really nervous. Mm-hmm. And even modeling that emotional intelligence and saying, I've been really nervous lately too. Let me tell you about the thing that I do when I get really nervous. Wow. Um, so you just be honest about your feelings because that is... I don't know. I, I guess I just felt like I needed to be a, a brave front and show them that I'm brave to, I don't, I guess that's wrong. Well, I, no, I think that it's brave when you say, okay. yeah, I get nervous too. And I start to think if I check on you guys, or if I make you guys put sure. hand sanitizer on a certain number of times, then we're yeah. going to be safe. But actually I have to tell myself, I have to tell my anxious brain, God is the one who keeps us safe. God is the one who keeps mm. us alive. And so, you know, when my anxious brain starts telling me all these things that I should be doing and that it's all up to me to keep us all safe, I tell my anxious brain, no, God is the one who keeps us safe. He gives me responsibilities to do, and I'll do those the best that I can, but I'm really going to trust God. And I think this is a really great time for us to do some of that spiritual development with our kids, too. And, And we can model that and say, you know, sometimes I worry, but then I remember mm-hmm. God is the one who keeps us safe. Mm-hmm. So just be very uh, transparent of your walk with the for Lord. Sure, for sure. I think if kids only see parents not struggling, when they struggle, they, they think that something's wrong, that they've done it wrong. or that. But for them to see parents, it, I mean, obviously, you know, we don't want to go extreme and, you know, be disclosing all of our struggles to our kids. But for them to, to see us model some of that, that basic level emotional intelligence is so important. And it Mm. shows, wow, my parents do this too. My parents are brave. They know how to continue to walk through. My parents can handle this, Mm -hmm. Um, which also kind of helps kids feel more comfortable. My parents can handle this and so can I. More of Jules' conversation with Candace Couch coming up on The Jules Show in 30 seconds. On the latest episode of the Finding Joy podcast, we're back on the road. And we go to LaGrange to the home of Jay Hamilton Guitars. And Joe is a boutique guitar craftsman with a special mission. I pray over all these guitars. I always pray for God's voice to be in this instrument. I might write a a scripture reference that strikes me at the time uh, on the inside of the soundboard. Hear more on the Finding Joy podcast. Find it under the on-air tab at thejoyfm.com. Or wherever fine podcasts are available. Candace, you're a mom. What are some things that you all are doing in your house right now? 
Besides homeschooling, well, <laughs> like all oh of us. Oh my goodness, I know. I texted one of my homeschool mom friends this morning. I said, I respect you. I respect you even more right now. This is I'm thinking, uh, I, I've gotten really thinking about the teacher gifts that I've been giving them. And I'm like, wow, I need to up it. I need to up it way we big. need to up it. Wow. <laughs> yes. Um, I think one of the things, well, I'm going to start with me. Okay. Um, one of the things that I notice about myself is that I want them to just do the right thing immediately and get on there, get their work done. Let's get it done. Let's move on. And so I, I think that effective parenting starts with me looking at what my kids trigger inside of me. And so I am really focusing a lot on how it feels for me to be doing this homeschool thing. I can tend to want things done just a certain way. And so I'm really working on like, wow, I feel, I feel kind of nervous about doing this right now. Mm -hmm. And so I am talking to my anxious brain, just like I tell kids to talk to their anxious brain and saying, okay, we're going to slow down. I'm going to be patient. We have nothing but time. If they want to ask me a million questions, they can ask me a million questions. And so we're just, I'm trying to model going slow and, and trying to do that for them too, that our pace can be slower. We don't have to get worried. But then also just like we were talking about, I'm letting um, concerning behavior like my kids arguing and bickering be a cue to ask about how they're feeling and to check to check in with them. And um, just having a lot of conversations about how this feels. But like I said, I think the most, it, one of the most important parts that we miss in parenting is not necessarily what we're doing externally with our kids, but what we do internally to kind of understand ourselves and what we bring to our kids and into the relationship with our kids. A colleague and I just finished a book that, that really starts with um, looking at ourselves as parents. There, we have two parts in the book. One is being able to look at ourselves and understand what we bring into relationships with our kids and why we mm. kind of get tripped up with parenting. And then the second part is what we were talking about earlier about training behavior um, that we've decided is really important to, to address with our kids. That's what I've been focusing on while we've been at home is just doing that first part of looking inside of me and saying, gosh, what, if, what am I kind of adding to the mix here? Mm. And really trying to address that so that I'm not getting tripped up. I'm not creating more conflict when my kids start to argue, um, but actually kind of trying to create less and, and for it to be a more peaceful experience for us. So it's almost like, for instance, like why, why the anger inside of me? Why am I angry? Because I didn't do what I asked them to do. Like what, yes. what is that? What am I? I mean, for instance, when I told my kids, you've got to be quiet for 30 minutes because I'm going to be doing an interview with uh, Miss Couch, Miss Candace Couch. And, and, and you, you know, and they were like, well, why? Where, what do you, why can't I, why can't I be there? You know, so. <laughs> There is. Right. It's frustrating. Yes, and, right. And I just want to say, just shut up about it. And yeah, right. What you, just go what down to the basement, do. kids. <laughs> right. But but being able to look back, and, and the book actually helps parents mm. look at their family of origin experience, birth order experience, mm. and because a lot of that tells us, helps us, informs us why we do those parenting things that we do. Um, and so, yeah, for me, I, w I was a... Um, I was a baby in my family, but I was also kind of the hero, the one that liked to get it done. I like to achieve and do it right. And so for me, I want the kids to not ask questions, do what I ask them to do and do it all right and, and look cute and clean while they're doing it. And so I have to, to look inside myself and say, you know, that's not really what parenting is about. And so kind of having to recognize that about myself and address it so that I don't end up putting 
pressure that's unneeded on my kids. Oh, Candace, what a great opportunity right now to, uh, while we're all homebound, is to read the book and, and really start to ask ourselves some really hard questions so therefore we can parent our kids well. Because if it's not inside of us, how are we going to give it away? That's what I'm starting to realize. If, it, if I'm not going to God right now, if I'm not surrendering my fears to Him, how in the world am I going to expect my children to do the same? Right, exactly. Good parenting starts inside of us as parents. And so there's lots of time to do some reflecting right now. And so, yeah, it's a great time to, to be thinking about that. Well, and, and Candace, you know, just to be totally transparent, what, what I am struggling with, it was, it was Wednesday, I guess it was Wednesday night when the, the world totally flipped upside down. Last Wednesday night in that school was getting canceled. Little League, soccer, gymnastics, all of the things um, my kids were asleep, and they had no idea that when they woke up in the morning, I was going to tell them that the world had changed. And it, I just, I, I had a hard time sleeping because I, uh, knowing that this is going to be my child's reality, and uh, and knowing I can't control it, and um, and that they, that, and mainly, I think that where I really got to is, do I trust God with my with my mm. children? Yeah, I, and I think that right now, you know, trust issues tend to be pretty significant for people. And I think right now, it, trust is a huge thing. Do we trust um, other people? Do mm-hmm. we trust, uh, you know, what we're hearing in the news? And then but the biggest thing is, do we trust God? And yeah. I think one of the things that is really important for us to think about as we parent and as we model um, our emotions and our thinking in front of our kids is is looking for God's provision. You know, even in just in just small things, looking for His provision and how He's provided for us in this time where it seems like we, you know, we don't have what we need, or what if we don't have enough toilet paper, or you know, those kind of things. Actually, um, instead of flooding ourselves with the fear of what if, what if, what if. But also looking about and and noticing and talking about how God has provided. Our family had a conversation this morning. We just last year finished our attic, so we had extra space, and we kind of have turned it into like little office homeschool area for everybody to work in. While Perfect we're timing. <laughs> yes, exactly. I literally do not know what we would have done if we didn't have the space. But and so this this morning, our family had a conversation about wow that God provided just enough time for us to get this space in our home finished so that we all have a place mm-hmm. to go and, and work and be organized. And so I think looking for little things like that, that aren't going to be obvious, but we start looking for those and talking about those and giving attention to the positive stuff that's going on right now. That's really important. Because mm-hmm, God's still at work. Even though the United States has like sh- basically shut down, our country has shut down, doesn't mean God is shut down. Yes, he's so good. Yes, he is still working and he's so good and he's providing. He is providing for us. Mm. Yes, constantly. Mm. Well, before so I uh, about it. before I let you go, I have to ask you, what are you learning right now? What is God teaching you? Oh my goodness. I think it's exactly what we were just talking about. His provision for me and how good he is. You know, switching my entire practice over to Telemental health, which I always said, I will never do that because I like sitting in a room and I like seeing people and I like doing activities and drawing pictures. And <laughs> oh, I thought I would never do telemental health. And um, his provision in literally yesterday when I decided I didn't want to see clients in the office anymore, didn't want to ask them to to come and sit in a waiting room and then come and sit in an office. 
and he provided, I realized that I already had the continuing ed training I was supposed to have to do, provide telemental help, wow. provided a platform for me. And so I think just seeing God um, show up and provide has been the main thing that God has been teaching me. Yeah. Is that we really can trust him, that he is good and that he will provide what we need. Well, Candace, I know you've been a big help to a lot of listeners right now, and I appreciate you um, being willing. I, I, I know you're super busy right now, um, but just being willing just to carve out a little bit of time to talk with us and um, teach us and, and guide us, because this is some uncharted territory. Yeah, I know it is. And you got it. I'm happy to do it. Always happy to talk to you. And so I hope that this can be helpful for people. Now, you know, it could be really helpful if you share me some uh, toilet paper, please. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> we're, like, we're like, go easy on the toilet paper, everybody. We only got what we had before. <laughs> yes, girl. Yes, yes. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of The Jewel Show. If you'd like more information or to learn about Candace's new book, Choosing to Train, Parenting Through Tough Times with Insight and Simplicity, reach out to Candace via her website, CandaceCouchCounseling.com. That's C-A-N-D-A-C-E, CouchCounseling.com. If you've enjoyed this Jewel Show podcast, be sure to subscribe with your favorite podcast provider.